0: Good morning and welcome to Community Christian Fellowship. How's everyone doing today? Hey, if this is your first time joining us, we got something for you. If you go right out these doors, you take a right, you'll see a counter with a white gift bag there. Uh, We have a gift in there for you, as well as a little piece of paper that can help us get to know you if you fill it out and hand it into the office. Um, While I have everyone's attention, I just wanted to give... uh, I wanted to pass on a thank you from Pastor Glenn and I for all the gifts and the appreciation for Pastor Appreciation uh, Month last month. So thank you guys so much. (laughs) Hey, we have Pastor Sandy and Michelle Adams here today, if you see them around. So make sure you give them a nice warm welcome this morning. I got a couple other things for us this morning, though. Uh, Our children's ministry is in need of child care help for infants ages four, through infant age through uh, age four, during Sunday school. If this is something that you can commit to uh, once a month, please reach out to Carrie. She's right here in the back. Uh, So you can connect with Carrie and let her know if you can help out with that. Make sure you guys are grabbing a box for Operation Christmas Child. The deadline for that is going to be here before we know it. That's November 15th, so we're already approaching that very quickly. Speaking of November and Thanksgiving, uh, Jocelyn is still looking for a few more people to help out with our Thanksgiving choir, so please reach out to Jocelyn uh, if you have interest or if you have a talent uh, that you've been hiding from us and holding back. We really want to get you connected in our choir that's going to be happening for Thanksgiving here. Hey, well, I have a hunch that an annual ladies' Christmas brunch is coming up on December 9th. <laughs> so you want to sign up for that uh, by December th- uh, Sunday, December 3rd. Um, it's $25 a person. Uh, it's going to be a fun time with brunch, fellowship, and a speaker as we enjoy the Christmas season Uh, Together, they're also having a, uh, this next Saturday, the 11th at 10 a.m. here in the multi-purpose room, Fellowship Hall, Uh, they're going to be making the favors for the Christmas brunch. So if you want to help out for that, it's 10 a.m. this Saturday, the 11th. I think we've touched on everything, so if everyone would please stand with me as we prepare our hearts to worship God with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. God, will we just set aside anything that's holding us back this morning, distractions, worries, concerns? Uh, Would you just speak to us through Pastor Sandy in your word? Will we walk away uh, seeking a closer relationship with you, seeking a closer walk in our lives? Prepare our hearts as we sing worship songs. Would they be a praise and worship that's glorifying to you, God? Would you be with us during these uh, crazy, busy seasons? Will we stop and really recognize the beauty in your creation, God? Will we really be thankful and focus on the things that you've given us, God? For everything that we have first came from you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Everyone's awake now, right?
2: All right. So Psalm 96 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So our second song is going to be one we've done a very long time ago, but I think you'll remember it. Um, Sing to the King. We're going to sing the first verse. You can always join us if you know it. We'll repeat that and then everybody join in.
1: your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you our christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a beautiful name it is Compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. could not hold you the veil tore before you you silenced
3: so thankful for the love of Christ, for it's in him that we have salvation, abundant life, eternal life, forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the presence of your spirit that uh, changes us, enables us to follow you and to love each other in your name. Thank you for this church, Lord. For a hundred years of serving you, of seeing you be faithful, and many people coming to know Christ, many people in heaven today because of this ministry. And Lord, thank you that we uh, are enjoying uh, the return of Pastor Sandy and Michelle. Pray your blessing as we continue on, that our hearts would be tender to what you want to share with us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. That was great, worship team. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. A few thoughts here on, well, before we do, I see uh, a reminder from the children's ministry leader that we need to dismiss the children's to what, to the, oh, that's right, they're going to the modular today because we have a a meal afterward in the all-purpose room, So. Boys and girls and moms and dads, that's where they'll be. Thank you. All right. Well, some of you here uh, know this couple very well. Hadn't been that long since they were here, but some of you don't have any idea who they are, so uh, I'll go ahead and give you some information. Uh, Pastor Sandy and Michelle served here, uh, Pastor Sandy is pastor from 2003 to 2014, Uh, and um, actually have served in a variety of places. Uh, Rockville, Maryland uh, is where you came from to this church, but you've also uh, served um, churches, colleges, and schools in Tennessee, Kentucky, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and now they're in Clarksburg, California, just outside of Sacramento. So a long trip coming over to visit with us, and we appreciate you coming back. Um, They've been married for 30 years. I know they don't look like that, but they've been married for 30 years. And uh, a great story, while they were here, that um, they, uh, they got, to, got their son. Yeah, Sam. Sam's down here somewhere. Oh, he's back there. Okay, cool. So uh, i just read the words of Pastor Sandy here. God not only brought them in, to community to lead and to serve, but also to give them a son. It was because of being at this church that a pregnant teenage girl heard about them and asked them to adopt her unborn son, Sam, is 13, eighth grade, size 11 shoe. <laughs> Got some cool sneakers on too. Okay, man. All right, all right, cool. Hey, great to have you here. And uh, Pastor Sandy's message—I I was kind of teasing him a little bit. He might kind of play on this a little more, but he's going to tell us what's going to happen in the next hundred years. So, here we go. All right, bless you, brother.
2: Well, good morning. And if if you're one of these really detail-oriented persons, and like, it's not November 4th, it's November 5th, yesterday was November 4th, and when I'm finishing, that's why. And those of you who know me go, yeah, we get it, yeah, we know, yeah, we we did stuff like that all the time. So, uh, those of you who don't know me, and if I don't know you, I hope I get a chance to at least say hi and meet you and... Uh, again, my name is Sandy Adams Jr. Uh, because my dad did not get bullied enough as a kid. He had to pass that down to the next generation. And, like, hey, why not? And um, I'm married to Michelle. Um, and as, uh, as I've already said, our, our son Samuel. And it is um, because of being here at this church uh, that we, we have Sam. And I'm not going to talk about that because I will start crying. And, and I still do, and I uh, love telling the story, and um, maybe one day, if you want to hear it or you want to talk about it after dinner, i to glad to share it. Um, I want to thank the welcoming committee on York Road at Mayapple uh, that greeted us almost here with the, with the deer that ran right out in front of us and missed it by that much, And as, as I, and here's what's happening. I'm looking at the property I, do we still own the property and I turned my head and go, I think we still own that property and and thought about it. I wonder if anybody hunts deer there, Oh yeah, here comes the, and 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 swerve yeah yeah, and uh, and so the first thing I thought was, I should have gotten that insurance on the rental car, you know, and uh, maybe next time yeah that's that's why you get that, you know, and so thank the Lord we're. Here and no damage to the rental car, because that could have been ugly, and um, but thank you so much uh, to all involved who invited us and made the decision, of course, Pastor Glenn and the, the committee who put together this uh, wonderful year of celebration. I've been following you guys on Facebook and with others we keep in contact with and watching your celebrations. What a great idea. I just, I think, you know, some churches will have like the day or a day, and you kind of Jam all this stuff in or into a weekend, but to have it throughout this whole year, what you've been doing, I just think it's beautiful, and I think it's just reflective of of this church and and the, your your thoughtfulness and conscientiousness and, and things like that. I just uh, I, I thank you. We're honored to be here. You know, if we had to have taken a bus to be here, we'd have done it. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sure about that. <laughs> Flying's a lot better, but you know, it. You know, but we just we're so so honored. Uh, to be here. And, and, and um, I also want to say, you know, when we came to community, I was 32 and um, had, uh, had trained to be a pastor, left pastoral ministry for a bit to go into sports and coaching, went back into ministry. And, and, and so uh, this church, I want to say two things. I want to say thank you for giving a young man an opportunity um, to, to be a lead pastor in this context. I also want to say I'm sorry um, for lots of things and that I, you know, lots I'm sure sermons I thought were brilliant that you were like, ugh, you know. And uh, thank you for being patient with me when I wasn't necessarily patient with you. And at times, thank you for bearing with me as I grew up and hopefully continue to grow up. Um, and being now 52, and uh, I know I look 72, and I don't want to, no offense to no, the 72-year-olds who look 52, you know, uh, but I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those 52 years who looks younger. Everybody thinks my wife is, and she is. She's very much younger than me, and a lot younger than me. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, she is younger than me, but she looks a lot younger than me. And, I, I, I you know, but, uh, again, I just... Uh, I, I have learned over the years um, the values of, of what, you, what really does matter in the church. What's interesting to me is what I did think was so important you know 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. You kind of learn they're, they're really not that important. Um, you understand uh, the fads that come and go. You understand the, uh, the ideas, and they, they may be good. Maybe beneficial, but you, you start to understand over time, and and God teaching you, and teaching you through a variety of ways, uh, most of the time through failure, and I have certainly have had failures, and God teaches us through our failures, uh, more than He does through our successes, and, and so like I said, I want to thank you, those of you who were here at that time, twenty years ago, um, I want to thank you for that, uh, and and sorry, <laughs> and as well and uh and 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 that's the value the beauty of the church that's the beauty of where we allow ourselves that grace and growing together uh 20 years ago uh, i was the associate pastor of uh, montrose baptist church in rockville maryland and at that time it was a large diverse congregation uh, but it was dealing with the fallout from a scandal involving our lead pastor uh, it was a financial scandal that had great ramifications upon the church um, that eventually basically has led to the church being just a handful of people now. And, um, and so knowing that our time in Maryland was coming to an end, Michelle and I began praying about and exploring and, uh, other options. And I did feel at that time that I was to go back into a you know, lead pastor. I felt called to preach and teach and lead in that capacity and we really <clears throat> loved living in the mid-atlantic area. We loved living in the Washington DC area. We were our hearts were broken about what was taking place. You know, we were coming to well as we were coming to a wonderful place, we were uh spiritually and mentally and emotionally limping a little bit because our hearts were burdened by what was happening down there. And um and and that happens, you know, in ministry sometimes if you have a pastor who's coming into your church, a new ministry, you know, there's some hurt sometimes, and then you may need, if that happens, or when that happens in the future, when you're looking at pastoral transition, you just be sensitive to that, understand that pastor may be hurting, there may be some things that didn't end well, and then they need that grace, they need that love and support, um, and so we start looking at options, but we really, uh, we didn't grow up here, I grew up in Kentucky, Michelle grew up in Illinois, uh, at that, before uh, we were in, Na- we met in Nashville in college, and we were in Nashville before we went to Maryland, but we just fell in love with the Mid-Atlantic, you know, loved, I'm a history guy, just loved the area, and we began looking at churches with openings, Maryland, Pennsylvania, in this area, and, and so after receiving a response, I think I, I it wasn't like I sent a, a resume to every single church, you know, hoping one of them will take a chance, you know, we, we, we I looked at that, and studied that, and saw these openings, and, and I think there was five. Uh, I think there were five. There's two in Pennsylvania, another one in Maryland, one in Connecticut. Thank the Lord that didn't work out, you know. I mean, that's, it's cold up there, man. <laughs> and um, um, so, um, and if anyone's from Connecticut, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I, I've never been. It may be the greatest place on earth, but um and another one I can't remember. There were, I knew there were five, maybe Virginia, and um, and so I received this response back. I got a couple of responses, uh, three. And, well, I got responses, and like three, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, and uh, but a couple, like yeah, let's look a little bit further. Then I got this packet from a church called Community Baptist Church, and I wasn't really sure that that's the. You know, at first I thought I looked at what was happening here. So okay, they're going some changes, transitions, and i I think I can help with some of that and and I got this big packet of information uh, you know it was information, which was great. I love that you guys spelled things out really clearly where we stood, that was great um, but also got this i don't know ninety seven page questionnaire you know and or maybe not ninety seven but it was half that I think and and it was very thorough. So okay, and and it's one of those things you better if you're going to do this, you know, you you know where they stand, what they're looking for. So we went through that, and I filled out this questionnaire, and um, which led to interviews with the pastoral search committee, and then an invitation to come for a weekend and do uh, to be. Uh, it's when we did the hayride, and you guys may remember the hayrides. And so that was that was fun, and did the hayride and trap shooting, and that was fun, and. Um, and then I uh, preached a trial sermon, and I discovered uh, Pennsylvania Dutch pot pie. Marianne Lentz made the best pot pie there, and it was just amazing. There's Marianne. There you go. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and it was fantastic. And, uh, and then that led to a second opportunity to, for another weekend. And, and one of those trial sermons, I don't remember the second one, but I, the first, one of those trial sermons, I can't remember which order it was in. Uh, but one of those trial sermons was from Deuteronomy chapter six, and I'm sure those of you who are here remember it very well. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to repeat now. Now I had to remember. Oh yeah, that's right. I did that, you know. And um, and a couple weeks after that second trial sermon, uh, the membership of this church voted me in as lead pastor on November 9th, 2003. Next week, 20 years ago, which is just is just hard to get my head around you know 20 years and so now 20 years after that trial sermon um, I'm returning to Deuteronomy with a message for you titled the next 100 years of community and it's not going to tell you here's what's going to happen it's going to tell you what I think and I think what God's word and what scripture teaches is about the church what should happen uh, in the next 100 years and it's based on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. In fact, I, I realized this past fall, as I was preparing for a series in Deuteronomy in my church in Clarksburg, that I had preached here, not only this trial sermon for this and 20 years ago, but in January of 2013, I did a series here in Deuteronomy as we were preparing to do the, uh, then the, uh, um, the D6 uh, curriculum, uh, Sunday school curriculum, and we did for a while here. And, and we felt that that was kind of a time of transition for our tr- children's ministry. So, And then I did this series just a couple months ago in Deuteronomy because I felt our church was in a time of transition. So I've, it seems like every time I preach on Deuteronomy, there's some transition, either for me or the, the church. And I think that's very appropriate because Deuteronomy is a book of transitions, Moses wrote Deuteronomy to prepare Israel as they are about to enter the promised land and prepare for Joshua and Joshua's leadership. And so this is a time of transition. This is the time of preparation. Here are the words of Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing, the land to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and by the way, that's the Hebrew word Shamad. It's a very important word for this passage. We'll revisit here in just a second. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's remember real quickly why Moses gave these instructions, why the book of Deuteronomy was written. Deuteronomy is really a rehashing, it's a retelling, a remembering of the law uh, that had been given previously. Forty years prior, Israel had just been released from captivity. After 400 years of Egyptian captivity, God had released them. And then he's leading them to the land that he had promised them. But because of their lack of faith, their lack of obedience, not believing God would deliver the the land for them, because of fear and maybe even a willingness to settle a little bit, they didn't believe and they weren't obedient. And so God said to that generation, you don't get to possess it. And even Moses didn't get to go to be a part of this because he was disobedient to God and something God had directly told him to do, and he did the opposite. So Moses isn't getting to go in. After 40 years, he's got to deal with this, these problems and these issues and, and care for these people. And if you don't know that, read, read the Old Testament, read the first five books. I should say, you know, get through, uh, get through Exodus and go into the laws of Leviticus and Numbers, and you're going to see how God was working through these people who were just hard-headed, hard-hearted, and disobedient. And he's preparing a new generation. And Moses knows he's not going in. He knows that his time on earth is nearing an end. He knows that uh, God is preparing Joshua, his right-hand man, to take over the leadership. And they're going to go in and possess this land. And so it's a, it's a time for Moses to help the next generation to remember God's covenant promises. It's one thing as you study Scripture and understanding the importance of covenant, of God's covenant, to understand what God has done in Christ. You've got to go back to what God had done and had promised, going back to Abraham. And we talked a lot about that. I'm sure Brian talks a lot about that in Sunday mornings. I believe, Pastor Glenn, you had a Hebrew series here recently. I See, I'm watching and, and so, and, and had, and you know, I'm sure there's references to covenant and what God, well, God you, you can't get away from it. And so, here in the very beginning of Israel and their establishment, God's reminding them of, their, of God's covenant promises, preparing for Joshua as the new leader. The only way that this works is for them to remember these things. God called Israel to be a people founded upon faith, focused on family forged by fellowship, looking forward to the future. That's what I see when I read this passage. As a leader, as someone who's helped churches through transitions and different places on both coasts of the country and in places in between, you know, I find that we're all really not that much different. There are differences sometimes in our culture and our expressions, but as churches, we're kind of the same. We kind of deal with the same issues and problems and and joys, successes, and failures. And I see this these words of faith, family, fellowship, future, all throughout this passage. Yeah, you know, I'm sure in this year's celebration, you have reflected on the changes and challenges that have been experienced over the last century. That the Full Gospel Tabernacle, Grace Tabernacle, Community Baptist Church. And now, Community Christian Fellowship has encountered over 100 years of ministry. I mean, that that's astounding. My church in in California, Clarksburg Community Church. Uh, let's see, uh, in 26, And 20. It just sounds weird when we say in the year 26, which is now two years, three we, years away. We're we're going to be celebrating our hundredth anniversary, and. Um, and so when you think about that, and of course out here on the East Coast there are churches 200 years and more. It's just amazing. And you think about the changes and challenges that have been experienced in 100 years. I, I know the changes that took place in this church in 11 years. And, and how God led us and how God was with us. And what God has done and, and what God is still doing. And that's exciting to see. I I know that you've been rejoicing in God's faithfulness and reminiscing about the rich history of this church. And I want to challenge you today to recommit to these areas of focus, next areas of focus, and to establish these commitments to influence the next 100 years. The next 100 years of community, just like Israel, should be committed to the faith. The next 100 years of community should be committed to the faith. That sounds so basic and so elementary. But that's the only way it works. Unless you want to be a social club, unless you just want to be a gathering place, unless you want to be an event center, I mean, you can do that here and call it Christian and call it church. But if you want to be a church that teaches, preaches, spreads the gospel, and grows disciples and makes disciples, you have to be, every single one of you, have to be committed to the faith. If you are a Christ follower, now some of you may be church growers and you haven't made that commitment yet to be a Christ follower. Keep coming to church, all right? But eventually, God's going to call you to a higher standard, and maybe he's calling you to that today. More than just coming to church, now you need to commit. And it's not this church you're committing to. You're committing yourself to Jesus Christ. You're committing yourself to faith. Moses is reminding Israel, and this is a couple of millennia before Jesus, reminding them of what they understood the faith to be at that point in time. He's committing them to the faith. If you look back at that passage, he's saying, here's the commands, here's the decrees. All the things I've taught you for 40 years, all the things that God has revealed, remember these. And you know, We talk about the Ten Commandments. We talk about these other things. Remember all these things. The, this is the faith. Remember, hear, hear, O Israel. Verse 4, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your strength, heart, soul, your heart, soul, and strength. Listen! That's the Hebrew word Shema. This, this is a prayer. This became a prayer. In fact, it's one of the most elementary foundational passages for all Jewish people today. And they quite literally took these words and applied them. And years later, they started to apply them literally it was a beautiful way but then it became this legalistic function that lost its meaning they started writing the passages down well deuteronomy 6 tells us to write the passage down write them down and put them on our on our wrists okay well, let's write it down put them in the box hey let's even put it on our forehead yeah that'll show us that we're really spiritual let's put that on our forehead Let's write it on the doorpost and gate of our doors. And and they started doing that. And then they started writing on these little pieces of paper and put them in a box. Let's even put it above the door on this box. And and homes still do that today. And it could be a beautiful symbol. But for many people, it's just a symbol. For many people, many Christians, for many churchgoers, it's just a symbol. It's just a thing we do. It's just an event we go to. Moses was calling Israel to something higher. To remember, hear this, love the Lord your God with everything that you are. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? All the things God had to say, do, and regulations, rituals, what was the greatest? He quoted this. Then he gave him a bonus commandment, and love your neighbor as yourself. But you've got to love God first. You've got to commit to God. You've got to give Him everything that we are. But we American Christians don't want to do that. We like holding on. Sandy Adams is a control freak and likes to hold on. He likes to tell God what to do. And God has had to teach Sandy Adams a few lessons over the years say it doesn't work that way. And not to punish me and not to humiliate me and shame me, but to show me if you want to understand the joy of the Lord and a faith that's evident in sorrow and pain and hurt. Many of you may know I I lost my brother this past May. And I can't tell you at this point in time in my life, a greater hurt that I've had. He was my only sibling and we were close. I loved him. And it hurts. I've never known a greater hurt. But I can tell you I've never known a greater hope. Hope has become real. To me in the last five months. And it's not because I'm just trying to conjure something up, and because I gotta believe it, because my simple mind can't can't comprehend. No, it's it's okay, now I get it. As Paul says, we are not those like those who grieve without hope. We still grieve, but we've got hope. Why? Because we commit ourselves to a faith that's real. Be committed to the faith. It's real, it works. It's transformational. Those of us who have to learn lessons the hard way, God says, okay. And when you get it, you'll come back. And you'll start to get it. This church, I want to encourage you, this generation of believers, those of you who are here, those of you who may not be able to be here and are watching, commit to the faith. You're committing to more than just some political statement. You're not committing to an ideal or to a pastor or to a person. Commit to the faith. Secondly, the next 100 years of community should continue to be committed to families. Now, when I say families, I'm not just talking about the traditional nuclear family with the husband, wife, and kids, and so forth. Yes, that includes that. I'm talking the households. And we understand in our world, in our country, in our world, Families take on lots of different meaning and are represented in a lot of different ways. And Moses understood this reality as he's teaching them, and he says to them, believe, continue to believe, commit to the faith. But how do we share the faith? Well, you can as a church say, well, we're going to pay a pastor to do that once a week to preach and all the other ways he does that. Or we're going to have volunteers or pay a youth pastor or pay a children's ministry director or pay all these people to do the ministry for us. That is a way to do it, and it is a way this church does it. But it's not the only way. In fact, if it is the only way, this church won't survive the next 100 years. I mean, think about it, and I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the households that I was able to see for 11 years, well, your kids were born and now they got kids And because you committed to the faith and you taught them about Jesus and you brought them to church even when they didn't want to come to church. Now did that happen to all of them? No, it didn't. And you did everything you were supposed to do as a parent and By their own decisions, your child decided to do whatever they're going to do. It doesn't mean God's given up on them, by the way. It doesn't mean you shouldn't either. You keep praying for them. You keep loving them. You keep being their parent. You keep being that influence. And God's in control. Don't fret it. It's okay. But keep sharing that with the family. Moses said, teach it to your children. Talk about it. When they get up, when you're eating dinner, when you're walking, you know, share, let faith be the most normal part of your life as a family. I understand for some of us, it's a, it may be a little awkward. It may be awkward talking about the faith. Maybe you didn't grow up in that environment. You're not sure how to do it. Just start with, with a prayer at mealtime. Ask when you're riding home today, what did what, you guys cover in Sunday school? The Awana verse that they may have learned that day what was your favorite song that was sung today? What, what do you think that meant? All kinds of ways. What, what did Pastor Glenn talk about today? You know, talk about it. Share it. Ask your kids what they think. And it doesn't have to be a theological masterpiece. But I will tell you, some of the best theological statements I've had were from my son and some of the best questions I've had. You know, and, and like, wow, you know, I spent a lot of money trying to understand that, you know, as a, in, in seminary. The, celebrate that. And, and, and parents, maybe if you're a little behind on that, hey, you're, you're, you're here today. Good. That's a good start. But maybe you've not been as committed to that at home. You may say, well, what do I do? Go, go to your kids and say, hey, I'm sorry. I've not done that as well as a parent as I should. Hey, hey let's, we want to start over a little bit. But don't throw the whole thing at them, all right? Just step at a time. Let it be natural. Let it be normal. Is, uh, Moses knew that this was essential for Israel's existence, and it's essential for the church's existence. And and your kids may graduate, and they may go on to other churches. I mean, how many of our kids have grown up and have served overseas, or serving other churches? You know, that's wonderful, it's beautiful. And I think the next 100 years of community will continue to see that kind of growth and see that kind of fruit. Third, the next 100 years of community should be committed, continue to be committed to fellowship. Now, that word fellowship is not in this passage. I understand that. And That really is a New Testament concept, that word, that koinonia, that, uh, that shared sh- uh, commonality of the faith that we had. But that, that's all throughout the people of Israel. You know, Israel, the, the Jewish way of life was really a model for the church, for the early church. And many of the early practices of the church was because, well, this is who we are. We're Jewish, We we get together. We eat meals together. We fellowship, you know, and they, we, we share the faith. We had these things in common. And fellowship is such a vital part of the church. That's one reason why in 2008 we changed from Community Baptist Church, and there are a lot of reasons for that I don't have time to get into this morning. There are a lot of reasons for that, and we don't have anything against the Baptist, okay? Um, but it started to represent something that was not um, our main expression, but it didn't, was not a condemnation by any means on, on Baptist. I grew up Baptist, and, and others of us have too, but we felt that to reach our greater area here. That we want to emphasize that well we are we are church we are Christian, and and um, and we floated around a few I think um, other names I'm not going to go into that too but we kind of landed on fellowship, and we felt that's who we are. We felt that fellowship really reflected one of the main values of this church, and I hope that's continuing. Um, I know it's not easy for every person when they come into a new group to connect. Some do it better than others by your personality, what you have in common, if you know somebody. And there may be somebody here who is brand new to this church and you're having a hard time finding your spot. And and you might be tempted to say, well I can't find anything because there's a whole bunch of clicks here. That's I hear that, you know, from time to time in churches. Sure. There it's just happens, sure. That doesn't mean they don't want you in it. It doesn't mean they don't want you here. Just people know each other. They have things in common. They have that fellowship. But you can still be part and you will find. But I can tell you, you won't find your spot if you're just sitting and coming and leaving as soon as you can. You've got to be a part. Be a part of what's going on. Share who you are. Be humble. Be gracious. Uh, And and church continue to understand and i hope you get this in a world that continues to be antagonistic to the gospel we need one another we need fellowship don't lose that that value uh, the book of acts chapter 2 says after the day of pentecost that the early church those first believers they continued in the apostles teaching in the breaking of prayer, bread and prayers and to fellowship that's Part of what we have to do, it's part of who we are. I should say fellowship just kind of explains what they all did there as a church. Continue to be that. Continue to be a fellowship. And finally, the uh, next 100 years of community should be committed to the future. The reason Moses was sharing this, he knew Israel was going to have a future without him. Uh, Every pastor understands that reality. Every pastor understands, at least I hope they do, (laughs) that at some point in time, whether we retire, die, or God leads us to another ministry, there's a future beyond us. And our job is not just to minister to the now and to the needs and to the now, but to prepare for the future. Moses understood that. That's why he's doing this. And I believe that's what you guys have been doing. You know, you're, you're celebrating the past, but you're committed to the future, and you're finding what that means. I understand you're going through some discussions and conversations about important matters, even like bylaws and things like that. that, that that's important. It's not the most important thing, but it's pretty important. You're not just doing that because it's time to do it, or you're doing that because it is reflective of who you are and preparing for that future. Commit to the future. Pray for your current leaders, your current pastor, your current kids. Commit to whoever's falling behind. Um, and I think I, I, I think to move forward, you appreciate everything what's come behind you. But you're understanding, we're, God's got us going. God's behind us. He's empowering us, and we're responsible for what He's entrusted to us, but we're committed to doing what we can for the future. Now that I'm uh, 52 and have experienced a variety of successes, failures, losses, and gains. I've learned that no one can predict the future. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next 100 years. And you think, again, think about all the how life was so different in 1923. And how different... I mean, when I started 20 years, we didn't have... You know, this. By the way, everybody smile. All right? I'm not really good. I don't know how to do the whole panning thing. I'm So, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. All right. I mean, this was not around 20 years ago. And I and mean, just think of this. I, I, don't, I have no. idea, I mean, a hundred years from now. I and mean, the only thing that I know is that, with the exception of Dick and Mary Gensler, none of us will be here hundred years from now. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, they are timeless. <laughs> they're just they're just timeless, you know. And You know, as a former lead pastor of this church who still loves and prays for you, I envision a future for you. However, it will not be based on your ingenuity, innovation, and intelligence. God will use that, but that's not what is going to keep you going. It will be based on the power of the Holy Spirit and your faithfulness to the gospel. In the next 100 years of community, I hope the future church will look at this generation when they're celebrating their 200th anniversary, and they will say they love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and strength, and remain faithful. That's my hope for you. That's my prayer for you today. Let's bow for prayer. Fathers, we come to you in Jesus' name. We come to you with thanksgiving and praise in awe of what you have done and are continuing to do in this fellowship of believers. Coming from that Small location on College and A Street. A hundred years ago. Facing all those challenges and things of our of that time and culture, and all throughout the decades, through four different names, several pastors, philosophies, and styles of ministry. Conflicts. Problems, issues, pandemics, you have remained faithful. And you have a purpose for this church. I pray for this church, the membership and core of this church who is faithful to you, that they will understand what you are calling them to be. I pray for unity. I pray for humility. I pray for your Holy Spirit to empower, to guide and direct. And I pray that you will help this church to persevere. Father, I am so thankful and grateful, honored.
3: Stand with us, please.
1: in run's temptation comes my way.
3: Thank you, Pastor Sandy, Michelle. great to have you here. been very rich for us to be reminded of how God used you while you were here for 11 years and has continued to use your influence, and especially today, to uh, just think through with you, as God's put that on your heart. Thank you.' been very rich. Um, We're going to have a dinner. Hopefully you signed up. If you didn't, too bad. (laughs) No, I imagine we might be able to squeeze another potato in the pot or something, but I do want to say as we go back there, I'm going to have prayer now as we close the service for the meal so you don't have to wait for me to come back there. Um, but I want, I want to say, I know some of you will want to see them uh, when Pastor Sandy and Michelle and, and Samuel get, get back to that room. If you're in line, let them go ahead of you, okay? And if you don't, I know who you are. <laughs> All right. Okay, good. Let's pray. Father, it is, uh, it is such a blessing to realize how you connect us for your purposes, Uh, As we reflect over the years, Lord, it's not that we do so, hopefully, in our hearts to hang on to anything, but to be enriched with all you have done and you continue to do today because of your faithfulness and how you use people in our lives that come in your name. I thank you for Pastor Sandy and Michelle and their years of ministry here. And now as they continue to serve you, Lord, in California and wherever you lead them, I pray your blessing on them, to continue to use them for your glory, and that many others will come to know you and walk with you and honor you. May we here at Community, Lord, take to heart the things we've heard today, that we would be committed, Lord, to the faith, first and foremost, and to uh, to family, Lord, to really not only our our close family that we're related to, because we know that's important in every way, but also to the fellowship of, of a family here. And in it all, Lord, may we walk forward into the future because you are a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's in your name we pray, and I pray your blessing on this meal that we're to enjoy. May it be a great time of fellowship and enjoyment, and that we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.